to the God Coffee and Resilience Podcast, where you can get your weekly dose of confidence, motivation, and inspiration in the midst of adversity. In every segment, we will discuss faith, life's obstacles that try to get in our way, and how we can maintain our resilience with God and a whole lot of coffee. I am Reese, your host. Grab a mug of your choice and come on in. Welcome back to God Coffee and Resilience with Reese. I am your host, and today we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Gila Kurtz. I got it right, right? Gila. Gila. Wow, I almost had it. <laughs> Gila no worries. Kurtz. Gila Kurtz. <laughs> yes. Oh, before we get started, I forgot to tell you. So on this platform, as soon as we start recording, there's like a five-second um, kind of delay in us talking, and you'll hear that in a little bit. So don't be alarmed. I'm when you're talking, I'm gonna just try not to talk over you. <laughs> we'll make okay. it okay. <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect. Okay, so how are you doing today? And thank you for being here. Well, thank you, Rashada. I am doing fantastic. It is a Friday that we are recording this, the end of the week, and yes, I just got back from a wonderful walk, uh, hike with my dog. So it's a great day. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, before we get into your story of resilience and all the things, I always like to start off with an icebreaker. And I have two important questions to ask you. Okay. <laughs> okay. The first one is, what is your favorite caffeinated beverage if you have one? Oh, caffeine coffee, just plain old black coffee. Black coffee? Okay, I know for some people, like they drink their coffee black and it's because they said they like the taste, the beans. Is that true? Um, I don't know. I just got, I got tired of just putting stuff into it. Like I, I heard about all these bad things. I was using artificial sweeteners huh. many years ago and I'm like, you know yes. what? I can just drink it black. I'm just going to drink it black and it's fine. It well, tastes good. I got to get to that point. Maybe it'll hit me stronger. Do you feel like it hit you stronger? <laughs> Uh, I don't, I, on some mornings, yes. And on other times I'm like, I don't think I could drink enough, you know? Okay. Gotcha. I was like, am I the only one? Cause I just feel like my coffee don't last long enough or it don't kick in. I don't know, but I do like coffee. I love the smell of it, especially with bacon and on the weekends mm, when I'm hungry. Bacon yes. and coffee. Yes. That would yes. be the perfect thing to get the old senses going. Sounds yum. <laughs> yes. Okay, so the second question I have for you is what are three things that most people don't know about you or wouldn't guess about you? Hmm. Uh, most people do not know that I bought my husband at a bid for bachelor fundraising event for the March of Dimes. And we've been married 32 years since that Aww. fateful night. Um, so there's that. Um also, uh, most people do not know that I won a, um, per, a women's bodybuilding contest. I won the state title in Virginia uh, many, many, oh. like over 30 years ago already. So, you know, a long, long time ago. And then probably what most people don't know is even though I'm very healthy and fit, uh, there is not a cupcake or a chocolate chip cookie that can um, that is safe in my presence. We're best friends because I love sweets. 
I love chocolate. I definitely love Hershey's with almonds. I love Kit Kats, Almond Joys. I like them all. Mm, um, almond Joys, yeah. I do, yes. And I have a thing for chocolate and the and the nuts in them. I just love them. And so uh, M&Ms and peanuts, all of them. Not safe in my presence <laughs> either. So. <laughs> so yay, we're friends. I love that. And Virginia, I just moved from Virginia maybe like four months ago. I was in Roanoke. Oh, okay. Well, you know Virginia Tech University, and that's where I went to, to yes. school. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes, it's big. It's very big. The Hokies is everywhere in Walmart. It's everywhere in the <laughs> Yes, yeah. The hats. <laughs> so uh, we've been through that whole ordeal. I stayed there for two years, so that's cool. Small. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is small. Yes. Right. All right, my love. So where are you now? We live in Southern California in a town called Seal Beach, named for all the seals that uh, tend to to grace the harbor. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful area. And I love it. But I always tell everybody that um, as beautiful as it is, I'm basically paying for the weather because it's certainly expensive to live here. Yes, I could imagine. Is that close by La Jolla? Uh, It is about 90 minutes north of La Jolla. Uh-huh. 75 minutes, 90 minutes, depending on traffic. Okay. I want the one year that we went to visit my family in California, because I had two uncles that, well, two of my, yeah, two of my grandfather's, my grandfather's brothers had 22 kids apiece, and they all went to California, and Holy we God. never went over there. Oh, yeah. We never went over there to visit that side of the family. And when we did, we stopped by San Diego and one of our cousins took us to Coronado and La Jolla and I fell in love. And I always said, if I get married, it will be at Balboa Park. It's so hard. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Okay. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Virginia, Northern Virginia, outside of uh, D.C. Cool. Okay. World of difference. What made you move to California? (laughs) Well, my husband is Navy, uh, retired Navy now, but it was the Navy that brought us here to California. Okay. Cool beans. You have any children? Just one. She's 24 and a beautiful, independent young lady that I'm very proud of. I love it. I love it. So how did like dog is good? How did that Mm -hmm. come about? So Dog is Good, which is a company for dog lovers, we're a lifestyle brand for the dog lover, um, came about out of my work and love, uh, my work with dogs and my love and passion for dogs. So I'm a professional dog trainer. I still do that today. Um, But a little over 13 years ago, I was at a continuing education conference and came across a vendor in an exhibit hall that was selling t-shirts that basically Uh said, I love my, and then whatever dog breed was on it, that's what you put. And I remember returning home and saying to my husband, I do love my dog, but there's something bigger and deeper to that story. And Mm -hmm. I would love to be able to wear something a little bit more poignant that expressed how I felt, but also that was cute and stylish and fun. And he turned to me and said, why don't you just create it? And so as we talked it through, literally within a couple hours, we're like, yeah, why don't we just do this? There's nothing out there in the market. The pet industry is a growing industry, but there was nothing out there for the pet lover. And so at that fast, we came up with a name and started um, putting things into motion to start the business. Once we moved from the state of Washington down to California, where we are currently, we actually uh, started creating products 
uh, took them to market here locally at events, got feedback from the customer, and then, you know, fast forward the story, got into retail stores all over the country. Um, We licensed the brand to other manufacturers who use them on their products. We have this amazing pop-up shop opportunity for dog lovers now, uh, so they can Mm -hmm. use our brand to build their businesses. And... um, uh, direct selling division. We do. We have a lot of things, a lot of moving parts, but it's been really fun and it's been a learning process along the way. Yeah. So did you, okay. So what did you go to school for? Well, my degree from Virginia Tech is in education. I went to school my entire life. All I ever wanted to be was a high school teacher. And yes. I, I knew that by the, you know, when I was age seven, I wanted to be a teacher and I graduated with a degree in education uh, with a focus on psychology and U.S. history. And I taught high school in Maryland. Uh, that's where I then met my husband that I bought at a bid for bachelor auction. And given that he was military, he swept me off my feet. And then we started yes. to move every couple of years. Um, And that's what really launched me into the world of entrepreneurship, because when we moved, I could not secure a teaching job in the social studies department. That was not the most popular um, department at school at that time. People were schools were looking for math teachers and science teachers. And so when I couldn't get a job, I I turned to things that I could do from home. And that was really uh, the first step into the world of entrepreneurship through um, selling products from home. And then ultimately, um, one thing led to another. I ended up having a gourmet coffee vending business. And then from there, because I had a pup that I took with me on the routes, um, I then entered the world of dog training. And then from there led to where we are now. So it's interesting to look back and connect the dots on the journey. Uh And um, that's that's where we are. Did you ever think it would be this big? Um, No, not at the very early stages. To me, it was just something that we would create and have fun with. And really, it wasn't until... um, about eight years ago that I really started to focus on what the vision could actually be. So in the beginning, it was all about building a business, but not knowing what I didn't know in order to make that happen. And I certainly Uh did not do it by myself. You know, you, you have, uh, my husband is my partner, but also a team of people that are part of the process that have made it what it is today. And, um, but now, you know, I did a lot of um, learning Sorry. Well, when you have, okay, so eight years ago is when I really started looking at what vision was all about, that it wasn't just about building a business and doing the things to get product into commerce. It really became more about who we are, what our mission is, uh, what, how we want to live through our core values and the impact that we want to make. And so eight years ago really is when we really, we started focusing very heavily on vision and um, what it could be. And so now I think huge, you know, I, I, I mean, my brain just keeps making it bigger and bigger and bigger because the mission is changing lives one dog at a time. And so the, the more lives that we can touch, the greater impact we can have um, through each person we get to touch there's a ripple effect. Yeah. So how has, how has your life been touched by, by dogs? 
Um, yeah. I know there's plenty of, of, of uses for dogs. I write emotional support animals all the time, service animals. So how has your life been impacted? Yeah, you know, it's such a great question because growing up, I did not have dogs. They were, you know, I had a cat was my pet. And it wasn't until I was, gosh, 32 years old that we adopted a dog and she changed my life. I mean, I had no idea that what somebody could love something so much and that this creature could do so much for, um, for my life. And uh, after that, you know, we added a few more dogs into the fold and uh, they're no longer with us, but they shaped a lot of the things that we do at our company. But really the dog that um, if you're, if your listeners heard the dog that did the barking just a few moments ago, um, when she came into my world, she came into our lives because we were raising a guide dog for an organization. And given that I'm a puppy trainer, I wanted to not only sponsor a dog, but actually do the puppy raise and create awareness for this organization in the process. Mm -hmm. And that was a whole year spent with this particular dog who we then returned after a year so that she could continue on through their program. And, you know, there was a lot of emotional up and down around that, right? You get incredibly attached. Um, yes. However, given the nature of the work that she was going to do, there was going to be a tremendous impact in the life of somebody. And so there was a sense of uh, contribution and accomplishment there. But right. interestingly, seven weeks into her continuing education or continuing tra continued training, they decided to career change her, as they like to say, which basically means um, she's not cut out to really go through the rest of the program. And there's many reasons why dogs don't make it all the way through. Uh, it could be too stressful for them. They could not. They may. They may not be able to turn off the working component. And so for her, it was she just didn't want to work, and uh, it was very stressful for her. So. They called and asked if I wanted to have her back, which of course I did. But the, my perception of that experience was that giving her not making it through the program was a reflection on my, um, on me and the work that I did to prepare her for it. And also in that moment, everything else that had been going on in my life in terms of this focus on building a business and how I was operating in the business um, it was, I had become a person I no longer recognized. Um, and I really, quite honestly, despite the success we were having was incredibly unhappy. And, um, and I, I just, I, I just couldn't quite figure out where, you know, where I had gone awry, you know, here I was building something that I loved. And at the same time, it was, um, impacting my life in, in a way that was making me completely miserable. So long story short, when Bolo came back to my life, um, mm -hmm. I was suffering from clinical depression. And uh -huh. so I really believe she was brought back to me for a reason because it was through her that I made a commitment to just kind of live life vicariously through her. She's such a happy creature. And yes. I noticed how she took on everything about her day and the things that she was uh -huh. engaged in. And I, I literally made a conscious decision to seek the le a lesson per day from her uh -huh. and try to incorporate that into my life. And in doing so over the course of a year really uh, helped to transform not only the way I see the world, but how I felt about myself and how I felt about the world around me. 
Wow, that's that's wonderful. I mean, you took a lesson a day from an animal, from a dog. Yes, but yes. it's not just anybody. Uh, they they teach us so much, um, and I don't think most people can wrap their head around that because I had uh, two, three. I had three cats, <laughs> and so I get what you're saying. They have mm-hmm. their own personalities and their own way of doing things, but at the end of the day, they're such. Um, you have so much love for your animal. It's just no matter what they do, they know when you're sad, they know when you're happy and they know when you're mad. Um, And they're just added support, additional support or the missing support that you wish you would have had. Yeah. They do have an uncanny way of picking up Mm -hmm. on what's going on with you. Um, And there are some reasons for that. And as I've grown and learned a lot about animals, uh, in the recent years, there's something very interesting about the fact that they actually internalize what's going on with you. And so, oh. yes. So, you know, one of, there was a, there's a sentiment that I, I there's a book called happiness mm-hmm. is a moral obligation. And um, it's written by Dennis Prager. And, and there's so much truth to that, right? Because uh-huh. if, if, if my animal, if my dog is, or, or cat, or you know, any other kind of animal is taking on the lack of joy, or the stress, or sadness, um, it's impacting their life. Well, it, it, as is for anybody that lives with us, right, or anybody that we come into right. contact with. And so, um, I just feel strongly like I owe it to myself. I owe it to my family, my employees, my friends, and my dog. Uh, to to feel good, and the only way you know, yes. and, and and to find ways to feel good. Right now, during that time when you were diagnosed with clinical depression, did you seek any therapy or anything additional, like medications or anything, to help, or was it just? Oh well, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, there's a, a little bit of a fine line between regular between depression and then severe clinical depression, and so I absolutely. Um, wanted to seek out some therapy. I absolutely wanted to uh, take care of myself in the best way that I could. And so um, medication was helpful in combination with uh, the connection that I had with Bolo and then the therapy work that I got to do as well, which was super helpful. I love that name. Yeah. Yes. How long did you go to therapy or how long did it, how long would you say um, things took before you started to see an improvement? Well, I think with the medication, I started to feel a better, you know, relatively quickly, like within six to eight weeks. And um, then I went and uh, sought some professional support probably for that whole year. I wanted, you know, I wanted to have someone that I could talk to. I didn't feel like uh, the conversation was meant for friends or, um, you know, business associates. And, you know, I think that that's something that a lot of people feel challenged to do, right? They, they either see it as a weakness or that there's something wrong yes. with them. And, yes. um, and I just did not, you know, I, I knew what my intention was and mm-hmm. what my vision was. Um, and I knew right. that I, I needed a bridge to be able to get there. And so um, I, I took action on that. I love that, that you acknowledge that stigma, which I am so on a mission to erase. Um, I don't know if you know, I, I do psychiatry. I'm a psychiatry PA. And so I hear that so much often. 
every day more than not from parents, more so than from patients. Because patients are like, hey, I'm here for whatever I need. But it's more so the parents, just that era, that generation Mm -hmm. um, didn't talk about it a lot and they knew it was there, but it's like taboo and you just, oh, you need to go to church more. You need to pray more or, you know, different things. It's just not talked about in a healthy way. And my hope or that I'm seeing more now is that more celebrities and people are talking more about it on social media and hashtagging and and participating in mental health awareness and different things like that. So I hope my children or my grandchildren will be able to live in a world where the mental health stigma is non-existent and is just as common as talking about a heart attack or just as common as talking about diabetes one day. Um, but people just fail to realize that whatever you need to survive, if, if your mind isn't right, then your body, I mean, whatever your mind does, your body follows. So mm-hmm. if your mind isn't right, you can't be productive. You can't pay attention. You can't do all the things that you need to do. Why not take care of your mental health? Is it not important? I mean, if you had a broken bone, would that not be important? <sighs> Sorry. Hola. To your point, you know, I, what What I think is going to start to happen is we all want to hack, right? So yeah. if I want to be the best um, athlete, I'm going to hire a coach that's going to help get me there. If I right. want to um, learn something in business, I'm going to hire a mentor who's already been there and done that. And, yes. and I don't want to waste time to, to make mm-hmm. it happen. And so I think mental health is the same thing. Mindset is the core uh, foundation for everything else, as you just stated, uh, that we yes. experience in life. And um, man, I want to I want to hack that. I want to master uh, the thought process and right. um, understand that truly uh, I have I have the power to um, to choose a life that I want to live. You know, and, and when I when assistance is right. required, I'm going to seek it instead of wasting time. Yeah. And I wish more people had that attitude. But what I normally see is it gets so bad to the point where this is my last resort and I'm only here because now I know that I've tried and I've uh, depleted all of my options, my other options like, you know, food, exercising, which which can help your which can help your mental state. Mm-hmm. But if it's a chemical imbalance, I don't know how much more it's going to do. So, I mean, it's just that people just don't want to take medication every single day for their moods, but they'll take hypertension medication, diabetes medication every day. So I'm just like, it's just what what, what you're willing to give, what you're willing to do to feel better. Um, exactly. So, yeah, I agree with that 100%. <laughs> I should have you back on the podcast just to talk about mental health. I would love there that. Yeah, <laughs> we'd love it too. Yes. Well, what would you definitely say to someone um, that's in a similar position or what would you say to your younger self when all of this or when you were at the start of all this or right when Bolo came into your life? Like, what would you say? Well, if I could go back and speak to my younger self, what I would have said, I would have asked my younger self this particular question. What does success look like to you? Because we don't often think about that. We have this Uh idea of where we want to be and Uh we haven't quite thought out what the process is going to be to get there because there's, 
multiple paths to an end result. If one's defining success based on revenue or based on the size of a company or based on the exposure that one company gets or whatever, the, however you're defining it, yeah, there's a way uh, that you can get there that honors your um, uh, your values that does not sacrifice your values. Okay, right. and so that when you're there, you not only you're still aligned with your values, but now you feel good. You feel that intrinsic joy of accomplishment and whatnot, and you're living life the way it's supposed to be. Uh, that's what I would have asked myself because I did not quite understand that in the beginning, and that's what led down that path of um, that led me to where I was. But now uh, my definition of success is really centered around. Um, how I feel every day. So success is feeling joy. That's it. Yes. And so what do I need to do to do that? And where does a business and relationships and personal life and all of those things and give back, where does all that fit in to that? Uh -huh. And so now I can plan it differently. And so that, that's what I, that's what I would have said um, back then is this is, this could have been avoided if I had had better clarity around my non-negotiables, right? Yes. If I Yes. And um, yeah, that's probably what would have, that's probably what I would have, would have coached myself back then to get super clear on what I really wanted and how I wish to feel each and every day. And then what I was not willing to sacrifice uh, in order to, to get there. Yeah. And nowadays there's so many blurred lines. Like we were just joking the other day about like how we grew up in the nineties, but people in the nowadays don't even go outside. They wouldn't even know how to make mud pies or get dirty or anything. Everybody's on electronics. But I think the other side to that is uh, it's always the comparison game and keeping up with the next person. So you're doing this. So I'm going to do that because you're doing that or you have this. So I'm going to go buy that because you go. Okay. Um, I forgot what I, where we were. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I was just saying how social media influences how this generation thinks and oh, right. their actions. And yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say to that, you know, comparisonitis is the death. It's your death. <laughs> yes. Because you cannot possibly feel good when you are going, oh my gosh, look at that person doing this or that. And I just, I am always so aware that Number one, we're not unique. Nobody's unique. Everybody right. is going through the same thing mm -hmm. all the time. We all have amazing days and we all have days where, you know, we're bombed. We're, we don't, you know, we're, we're down on something. Right. And that's the journey that all of us are going through. Um, and nobody, you know, we, we all, you know, this is sort of the common conversation. Yes. Nobody's, everybody's posting their highlight reel. That's it. So. Uh -huh. There's nothing to compare there. Yeah. And I think this is so hard because I see a lot of adolescents in, in my clinic and they're just all like all down and depressed. And I'm like, what's wrong? And they're just like, oh, well, so-and-so got this and so-and-so's doing that. Or or bullying just became 24 hours or 24-7 with social media. And so it's like you just mm. can't escape it. It's everywhere. Um, so definitely, I agree. Like nobody thinks it fully out, like the steps that it would take to get there. They just know they want to do it because they saw it and they have to have whatever it is. So I appreciate you saying that. And I hope my audience listening also appreciates it too and took a lot from this interview like I did. Um, I know that um, Bola or Bolo. 
Bolo, be on the lookout. Bolo. That's what she is all about. Be on the lookout. Yes. <laughs> Bolo wanted her to say her piece about a couple of things we were talking about. So we wouldn't let her talk. So she just, she burged in, but we got, we heard her loud and clear on some of these <laughs> topics we were talking about and we appreciate it. <laughs> we did. Oh my goodness. Oh man. So where can my audience like find and connect with you um, on social media or website? Yeah, thank you for asking that. So if you're a dog lover out there, you can certainly go to dogisgood.com for all of your gifts, apparel, accessory products for you and any dog lover in your life. Um, You can also find us the same under the same name on Facebook and Instagram. We want to invite you to join our Dog is Good lifestyle community. We have a number of great ways to interact with the brand. We have a pop-up shop business opportunity for dog lovers. Um, and it's and uh, a way that you can also get inspiration from your very own dog by registering for, for Covered Wisdom. It's a, a note that comes in your inbox every week. Um, and it's written from your dog in your dog's voice. And it's always something inspiring to set your week on a good path, a good intention. And um, people can also learn about our nonprofit, dogisgoodforgood.org. And you can go there and check that out. We do a lot of really good work in support of um, animal welfare. Yes, and definitely. I'm glad that you said that because that clicked in my head. I just recently interviewed and had another guest on the show, Michael Overly, and he does similar to what you do. He doesn't have products and everything, but he's like a life purpose coach and he uses dogs. Mm. Uh, for men and mental health and mm. teaches them. Yeah. So I should connect you guys. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be awesome. Yes. And he is so sweet. And so you guys would be able to connect. I forgot exactly where he is. Um, I think it's Utah, if I'm not mistaken, but I think I might know. I think I know him. Um, uh-huh. What's his last name again? Michael. Overly. Yeah. If it's the same person that I was connecting with before, then we've had some wonderful conversations. Huh? Yeah. I just can't remember his last name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'll definitely send an email introducing you guys, and it'll be funny if you already know each other. (laughs) Yeah, that would be awesome. It's a small world, small world. Well, Rashada, I think that you're doing some amazing work and uh, appreciate the opportunity to connect with you and meet you and um, appreciate knowing the work that you do in support of young women, um, teens in particular, who do struggle in this age of technology. So thank you for that. Yes. No, thank you. Thank you for taking time out your day to be here. I really appreciate you coming on my podcast. I was like, wow, people, they want to be on the show. And so I'm just so excited because this is only my second season. And I know there are other podcasters out that have all these listeners and all subscribers and everything, which I'm not playing a comparison game, but I was just like, listen, little old me, people want to be on my show, but I appreciate you. Yeah. There you go. One, one guest at a time gets you one to, gets you there. Time. So yes. yes. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for everybody listening. Um, We will connect again on the next show, but please don't forget to check out the show notes because all of her contact information, social media, everything, in case you're listening to this while you're driving, it will be in the show notes. Okay. (laughs) All right, guys. Yes, you're welcome. You too, guys. Bye. 
you for tuning in to this week's episode of God Coffee and Resilience. You can also follow us on Instagram at God Coffee and Resilience Podcast. You can also follow the host, Reese, at The Resilient PA. And you can also check out our website at TheResilientPA.com. Take care, guys.